Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Hey, it's Dan here from Smart Enough to Know Better. Welcome to episode 18.5. In episode 18.5, Greg and I talk about the extinction of animals. We have a talk to Steve Nerlich about naming certain components of the universe. And we also discuss pink. That's the colour pink, not the performer pink. Even though I do like the performer pink. Also, if you don't write in to defend the group of people that I completely berate at the end of the podcast, you're a monster. So sometimes there are these little tiny animals like uh, the Northwestern Philharmonic Shrew from <laughs> Casavanavia nice. rainforest jungles mm, or mm. some weird like bugs that go extinct. Sure. So and probably, like they're, they're probably quite often. There are yeah, there are a lot of extinctions mm. that happen. Mm-hmm. Some of the bigger creatures not so common. Things like the mammoth. Right. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But just this week Let's face it, the mammoth can only go extinct once. Yeah. Mm. I've confused him now. His mind, I think, no, he's just hating me. That's what it is. It's, that's hate, I think. No, but I can't quite read his expression. I feel like I need to beat someone with a microphone stand. <laughs> Got to cast that off. <laughs> this last week, the western black rhinoceros. Holy crap. Really? Is ex- extinct. <laughs> they just went, you know what? There's no chance. It's gone. Does it, so there are no more left. Look for it. Didn't Stephen Fry go looking for one of them in Last Chance to See? His version uh, yes, of he was Dunn? looking for the northern white rhino. Oh, right. Okay, wrong colour and wrong place. Right, well done, Greg. It's a big species to, to just die. It's a big animal. Yeah. And now there are no more left. No more left. And everyone goes, oh, that's really sad. That's what you can do. What else yeah. can you do? But everyone goes, oh, well, evolution's cool. Mm. So... There's going to be something to replace it eventually. Us. There's, there's now an evolutionary niche. Us, Dan. No, we'll, we're, we'll, we'll last, what, 160 years? <laughs> we won't last very long. Well, even, I mean, most species, the average length of species life on Earth is 2 million years. Mm. So we've we got a fair where to go if we say as a species. Yeah, but we're, <laughs> but that's on average. That's an average. I yeah. really feel like we're down the bottom of the bell curve. <laughs> we're like that weird invertebrate that was found once that had seven legs. Really? Yeah, there's this weird prawn thing. Oh. And they found the fossil and it went, this thing has seven legs. Awesome. What or, the f***? Or it was just very pleased to see you. Ah. <laughs> you think it'd be better at reproducing. So no, well, maybe it, maybe it couldn't get it in. A giant wang. this giant, giant, hey, baby, it's as big as a leg. What are you ah, going ah. to do with that? Um, I, um, I, oh, 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 oh. Oh, well. Put me in some silt, cover me in bedrock. That's it for me. I, I tend not to get too sad about things going extinct. Mm. I'm like, oh, well, they're gone. And people it's, go, oh, but that's part of the ecosystem and that's going to affect us. I'm like, we're gone too. There's, well, I, it's not very negative. I don't think we are. I think human species is, is highly adaptable. In fact, that's why it, it'll, the biggest test for the human species will be whether or not what you're saying is true. Is the energy we put in, like 30% of the energy of your body, all the chemical energy bubbling around your body goes towards keeping your brain alive. Mm-hmm. Your, your body is really, I mean, that's a lot for that, yeah. tiny, for that tiny bit of flesh and protoplasm in your head. Is it worth the cost? This is the question. Is the, one of the most complicated structures in the universe inside up between our ears worth the cost, the energy? We're going to find out. This is, yeah. this, we're going to find out, kids. <laughs> and we're going to have other animals. So if, let's say we, we're not and we, we, don't, we don't survive the next couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. We, look, we're going to be around for 260 years. That, that's, I think it's a ridiculously small frame. That's less than discovering Australia. Is that, you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, eh, I think we, we'll be right for that long. Not oh, right. I'm pretty cynical. You're pretty cynical. Okay. So we, we, this energy we expend, if it's failed, then we could die out. Yes. Yep. But more interesting, I think, uh, there was an author by the name of Olaf Stapledon who wrote a book called The Last and First Men. And in that, it was about how humans evolve, but not in one case it was that, well, we didn't evolve as in become clever. We had a huge problem and, and our brains were just too expensive to keep. So oh, yeah. we, we became more, more like primates again and we, and we sort of roamed forests and, and, and how we changed over time to, in, into like almost little true life things. Read it, by the way. It's one of those classic sci-fi novels, novelettes, actually little, little essays almost uh, called The First and Last Man. And I like that idea of that we could be around, in, let's say in three million years' time, there will be something that is like a genetic sample of it you'd go oh my god that's what humans were or whoever did that we go that's what humans have become sort of thing ah and i really like that idea or we can do really well 
and our brains will keep us out of the trouble. We will stave off the madness and we will stave off that push back the, the problems we've created. And that's what I'm hoping. Otherwise, what's the point of having all this energy and all this cleverness above our shoulders? Maybe. I always think of the human race as being just another way of doing a mass extinction because the, the planet Earth mm. has had like seven mass extinctions or something. Mm, mm. And I, I often thought that the human race is like this really insidious and clever way of doing exactly that. That sounds like design theory to me. That's like well, not not. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's what that what we were supposed to do. Yeah. But I reckon there's a good shot that human beings could be just as destructive as oh. a major comet strike it's, on the planet. Yes, it is. It's one of those things. It's been said that we are going through the the next great die off now. Yeah. And, and instead of all happening in months, like a meteorite comes down and hits the earth and nuclear winter kind of feeling and whatever, volcanic volcanism or whatever, yep. and it's over time that we're doing over slow motion. Like you, you be able yeah. to do a, a camera shot of it every 10 years and you go, yeah. oh, it was gone. But ge- geologically, that's still the blink of an eye. Yes, that's right. Yes. It, it's, it'll, it'll, it's, um, so the, I'm, I, I never anth- feel. Anthracene. The anthracene. Yeah. Is anthracene? Uh, maybe that'll be a. Um, Walk of shame, but some people say we're living in the Anthracene era, as in the, the era of man. Mm. So, so um, you have all these different names, Halcyon and that sort of stuff. So, and I like that idea. And that, to, why I like it is because yes, it is the era of mankind. Yeah, we are we are shaping the planet. You can see the scars we put on this planet from space. You can't see our buildings, by the way. That's crap. But you can um, you can't see the Great Wall. Oh, this doesn't no. exist. But you can see mining structures. We've put holes in the ground. We've mm. knocked down mountains. Any alien light that could see the planet surface would go whoa. This has been engineered. Like, this planet has been changed quite mm. considerably. Terraformed. That's right. It, it, not in a way that we planned, but yeah, it is yeah. terraforming. But I don't think it necessarily is a negative. I don't see it that way. I don't... I don't. Oh, well, me there. neither. I, 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 we can jump either way at this point. I don't think a mass extinction is a negative. Because, mm. you know, you wipe out a bunch of things and you get all the new, new stuff. If you allow the niche to open up. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think we are. I think when we lost this rhino, the rhino didn't die because it couldn't mate. It's the fact that we took away... One rhino needs a massive area to, mm. to look after. And then if you don't have that space and you only have one space for one rhino, one rhino can't breed. Yeah. End of story. That's a human has filled a niche. We have pushed everything to, into the corners of the Maybe, world. Maybe, but now other creatures are going to be able to fill find the human a way. niche. And they are yeah. uh, pigeons, cats, dogs, yeah. rats, cockroaches. Yes. And then there are animals that will do very well and have been doing very well, but not many. But there's a lot of interesting research that's only, I think it's seven. Seven species, cats, dogs, ibises, <laughs> in ibises. <laughs> There's uh, none of the. Bir- I don't think any birds have done that. Oh, pigeons, pigeons. That's right, pigeons, rats. I can't remember the other ones, but there are there are numbers of animals around the world that have done amazingly well out of this. But, Starlings, but they probably yes. Those things just going probably, nuts. Probably they can live where humans are. Yeah. But there's these certain animals have done very well, but not a large percentage. Not mm. like all birds have done very well, or even all small birds have done yeah. very well. But of course, if human beings actually last for millions of years. Mm then all these different animals, all those couple of animals that do very well will speciate and there'll be more. So there'll be a whole bunch of different types of pigeons. Will in, they? In will they? Not necessarily. Speciation needs separation. Yeah. Either through time or through distance. And and I don't, what the what humans have done has made things global. So ah, I, you reckon I, it's going to. I don't think, I don't think. Um, uh, was it amalgam? No. Yeah, emulsif- yeah. No. Amalgam? Amalgamate doesn't become Amalgamate one. Amalgamate them? Maybe. I just think there'll be won't be you won't get suddenly a pigeon in Africa different to a and you can't breed with a pigeon in New York, in New York and therefore becoming a different not pigeons anymore like mm. something else because we have a global thing of breeding pigeons. So we might be slowing down evolution by Speci- not separating or yes. slowing down speciation. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yes, because we can especially things like anything that can fly. Of course, it's a big bonus of just going over there and going, "I love you," and, and suddenly, there's, you know, not necessarily. There's a bird in the Amazon rainforest which yeah. is dying out because it can fly, it can mm. get anywhere it wants to, but it doesn't like to fly without trees under, over its head. Oh. And so they keep cutting roadways through, and this bird won't fly wow. three meters to get to its a mate because there's sun over it and it's Joe goes back and forth, but of course it can never cross the road, even though it all it has to do is glide there. Yeah, because I suppose it, it, that's your millions of years of evolution going. You'll be killed by a hawk. A hawk. You'll be killed by a hawk. <laughs> so yeah, this, these problems uh, do happen. There's, there is actually some speciation. We had this conversation in the past, Dan. I remember uh, mm-hmm. speciation due to time travel. T- time, travel in time, not travel. Mm. Time travel. <laughs> they're now time-traveling animals. But animals that migrate for the winter, birds, geese, I mean, yes. geese, and they, they used to meet up and have, oh, yay, and have sex and have babies and, and go. Yep. But now, due to planes and due to the pollutions and, and due to the change of our, the way we change the atmosphere, the birds don't come at the right time. So these whole flocks
flocks of these geese don't meet anymore. Mm. They're slowly speciating off because they band of geese that go north-south and one that kind of go more east-west, kind of more east-west, and they never meet. They don't land in the same spot. Mm. So therefore, they're not mating with each other. Therefore, there are, there are genetic variants as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, some, they will, I'm not saying we're stopping it. I just think that globalization will... Homogenize. Homogenize. That's the word we're looking for. Homogenize the the well, humans. All humans will look the same color in the end. We'll look, we'll have like a brown mean, eyes, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, more more brown eyes than anything else. Olivey complexion. Most humans, I think, will have a, a, a mm-hmm. olive to dark complexion. There's a once again, I'll try and find on the net. There's a the picture of the average human. Uh, what the, if you took all the humans and put them all together, what we would look like, and that's what mm. will slowly happen. But, but then it also depends on how we change our environment and whether a different type of human survives better in a different type of environment. We don't need to do that anymore. I mean, yes, it could. If, if, if we lost our technology, then I would agree. I think now I don't have to be stronger than you because I can get a forklift. I don't need to be faster than you. I can get a car. How about more resistant to pollution or the sun? But that's technology too. But all you need is the tiniest little... Uh, oh, advantage. Yeah, over time, I suppose, yes. But the advantage is still probably, I would say that signal, if you think of it that way, this, the genetic signal, let's say you let's say you have 0.1 resistance to UV light or whatever and, and, mm. you, and you pass on to your kids. It probably comes down more into your brain activity and how your brain is, is evolving mm. and whether mm. whether you're better at dealing with technology. Like, you're always going to be evolving. Is that is that evolution, though? That's a good question. Sure. Is that evolution? Yep. It yes, is? You're 100%. Evolving? You're yep. evolving? Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, hundred you? percent. No, I'm, I'm putting my putting my glove down. It's, Step, putting my foot down. That's evolution. It's because uh, technology is so fast. It's changes. I'm, I'm going to Wikipedia right now. I'm writing it in. No, he's not. I'm not. He's standing. I, I'm just intrigued. I'm just, I'm just wondering if it's technology is changing so fast. These are tools. Tools. We're definitely being changed by the tools we use. Of course, hmm. we change the tools, and tools change us. But and I suppose in the end we will. I don't know. It's it's. I, it's very hard with technology. You're a very brave person to ever make any kind of future. Prediction for tech. Once again, yeah. we, we don't have jetpacks, but we have the World Wide Web. Everyone wanted jetpacks. No one even knew what the World Wide Web was. And what happens when we run out of lithium? Yeah, the, this stuff will get important. But then again... And um, helium. The, everyone keeps getting excited about these giant remote control sharks that swim through <laughs> the air. And every time I look at them, I just go, oh, that's so brilliant. I wish we weren't running out of helium. Yes, yeah. It, it makes me really agitated and upset <laughs> to see these things, all this helium being wasted. There's a lot of helium in the universe. It's all right. It's the second most abundant element in the universe. It's okay. We're Oh, okay, great. Good, just, good, not, good. just not on Earth. Just not on Earth. Just not on Earth. Well, it's light and it floats out of the atmosphere. Isn't that cool? That's cool. Yeah. That's, there are gases. Why don't we have a lot of hydrogen on the planet? Because it left the atmosphere. Bug it off. Because mm. it went, bye. Back to the universe. But I don't want to base my life on it's like a punctured equilibrium as in suddenly we'll work something out. But humans are very good at that. When push comes to shove, and at the moment I feel there's a lot of political apathy about, about climate change and mm-hmm. sort of these issues. And people are like, oh, I'm fat and happy. When they're desperate for things to change because shit's going down, then you will see large amounts of money. Will that save the world? not to the state that we're in, not, not to go back. We're never going to go back. You keep the, mm-hmm. the, the structure's going to change, but not saying destructively forever. The equilibrium of the planet will change. But human beings are pretty impressive creatures. We've done some pretty impressive things. So you're talking about, where, what are, where are we get the helium from? You go, well, even at the moment, they're putting satellites up around Vesta, the asteroids circling it. They're talking about lassoing it. And these are all these tests going on now. Lassoing an asteroid and then and holding it into position. Well, if you could hold it in position with a lasso, lasso? Lasso. Lasso. Lassoing. Lasso. Is that a word? Have I yeah. just gone mad? No, no. A lasso is... A... My brain just went... That's a lasso a word. is... You just a... made a word up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's... But it's, it's, it's the intonation. It's a, las- it's a lasso. Lasso. What did lasso. I say? Lasso. But if you say lasso... Oh, that's, that's what it was. I think that's oh, what happened. Oh, that's weird. There. My brain went, no, no, it's a lariat. No, that's Wonder Woman. Confused. Wonder Woman hasn't got a lasso. She's got a lariat. And a harrier. And a, har- <laughs> and a harriet. And Alaria. No, no. Okay. So they, they, they've lassoed this. Lassoed. Oh, God. It's happened again. Am I having a stroke? Is, well, this, lasso. What a, is this what a do stroke you, feels do like? Do you smell toast? What? Do you smell toast? No. I can't smell anything. I'm cooking toast. You should be able to smell toast. <laughs> oh, that's pretty weird. Anyway, they, they, they put a rope around this. Taste this arsenic. Does it smell like almonds? <laughs> well, that's, that's, mm, that's, that's cyanide. Um, damn you. No, I added almonds to the <laughs> arsenic. Bitter almonds. They put a rope around Vesta of this asteroid in the asteroid belt. That seems so low tech. It, 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 isn't it awesome? And then, but then, of course, then they can drag it back. 
That's the next step, not with that thing, not with that. And hogtie it. But then, and bring it into Earth orbit. And then you go, what, what about, where is all the getting other helium from? You go, well, it's, it's probably going to be covered in helium three, and we just mine that son of a bitch, and we get what we want. We humans, life will find a way. But are we going to turn into dinosaurs first? Wait, that's probably a bit of a stretch. <laughs> that's probably a bit confusing. But know. yes, so black rhino gone. Yes. Don't care. <laughs> but at the same time, whenever I think about dodos, I get sad. Yeah, because you never got to sense seeing them. You know, something that I find fun, though, is that walking around the cities. And cities are mainly monocultures. So yeah. And you really like people. I'm not terribly fond of them. So I'm assuming I'm going to go on a limb here and you go, yay, more humans. Look, more playmates. Yay, <laughs> humans. And I kind of walk along going, and I'm not anti-human. I think humans are great, as I said, but I don't get the, I don't get excited about seeing more humans. Oh, I, I don't want more humans. More humans. There are plenty of humans. Yes, yes, fair enough. Uh, what I, I like is, them. Generally, <laughs> I, or maybe not like them. I'm I'm optimistic about them. But you, isn't that weird? You were just before. I was the optimistic one, and you're the pessimist one. Yeah, but look, I'm impressed by them. I, That's the thing. You don't no, seem to be impressed I, by you know humans. What? I'm I'm optimistic about them individually, oh. but I'm very cynical about them as a mass. Never underestimate the stupidity of people in large groups. I, 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 See, where I am, I'm the other way. There's a bell curve. I look at statistics and I go, "There's a bell curve," and humans. Are a hundred IQ points, whatever you want. Though that's going up, it seems as well. That's a different thing. There are as many really, really, really smart people as really, really dumb people. Mm. The average human is average, and and if, you might go, well, the average person's dumb. No, the average person's average. Yeah, that's what an average means. Yeah, so average people are actually that's what a hundred on on an IQ. Challenge. That's right. Yeah, you, you say, average. oh, it's going up. No, it's staying well, yeah, at a hundred. That's because they it. keep having to reset, reset it. it. Yeah, but that the, the people are becoming smarter on the curve. You know yeah, what I mean? like it's it's twisting the curve up. And I that's what I so that's why I get impressed by humans. You go, we've done some impressive things in the last hundred years, especially considering how stupid we are and, sometimes. And, and the reasons we did it were, were, were awful. You know, we did violent, terrible things to each other, but we're doing impressive things. Uh, so you know, what I get excited when I get on, I, when I see another species, because I, I like dogs, and I like animals, I like birds and magpies, and these are the animals that have done well. And when I see something that doesn't fit into that, those things, those species have done well, I get really interested. I go and like, cross some roads to get to them and piss them off, basically. <laughs> like, yeah. It's some animal going, I'm surviving in my niche, go away. For me, with that whole niche concept, we're going to have to change the world so that our footprint doesn't wipe everything out so that everything can, not everything, but more things can live with us. Mm-hmm. Live and live. We don't impact the world so horrendously. And I think we can do that. I think it's possible. I, I yeah. honestly think it's possible. I think we can. I don't think we will. I don't think we will. Hmm. I think that, strangely enough, you put enough people in a room who are starving to death and they will work out how to get out of that room. You know what I mean? Like, that we, yeah. we, or they'll figure out who to eat. That's the first step. <laughs> hello, Dan. Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Brent, Brent. Hi, Steve. It's Greg here. Hi, Greg. How are you? Good, thanks. So uh, you you have listened to the George Frab interview, or so you know what to expect. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. <laughs> yes, Steve. Time. Your job is to shout us down at every opportunity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can get rather excitable, so it's all good. How are you today? Look, I'm well, thanks. I'm, I'm curious, you're, I think, the second science podcast I've come across. Do you know of many others in Australia? I mean, Not many, no. There's lots of sceptic podcasts, and, uh, and we sort of go in that area. We sort of run into that area. I mean, I have a science background. I'm a physics teacher by trade, and Dan's a web designer. We both have a big interest in science, obviously, that's why we do this. Basically, we were doing the podcast by, without any recording equipment, by just arguing scientific stuff with each other. <laughs> it's true. And we went, well, this is all going to waste. Yes, and, and people said, this would be fun right. to listen to. So we, uh, we listened to them, and now we have over <laughs> we have many, many hours of us verbaling on. Uh, but no, there aren't a lot of science ones in Australia, and I think that's because it's more than just saying, I don't agree with something or I, I have a problem with something. To, have, to try and back it up with some research actually takes time. Uh, and, uh, mm. and, and look, we're really the bare bones. I mean, to be very honest, we do research, but we don't do a lot of... We just sort of look at sort of popular things and talk about them. Do you know about brains matter? Brains matter? Brains do matter. It's a, uh, I met someone without a brain. They were useless. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I, Actually, before we go, go on, I should probably just double-check some okay. uh, tech stuff. And I'm not sure whether it's the, the line or whether it's the microphone at your end. But uh, we'll be able to make do. As long as we can understand. It's just a little bit uh, a bit grainy, a bit low okay. quality, but uh, who knows. Oh. <laughs> that, that might just be me. It might know. just be you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Brains Matter is Brains a Matter. podcast out of Melbourne. He's been going for about five years. Wow. wow. Longer than I have. That's impressive. And there's other science podcasts that are related to the ABC. So mm. Yeah, there's Dr. Carl. And the Science Show. I listen to the Science Show quite often, of course, Robin Williams. Of course. But, yeah, I wonder how many of us sort of backyard science podcasts there are. So I Let's... guess I know about three now. <laughs> we, um, we keep trying to force our way into the ABC. We sort of kick open doors. <laughs> uh, in Brisbane, it's just, just through different connections, we know a few. They keep ABC... changing the locks. <laughs> and we know a few ABC announcers, and they, they sort of invite us in, and then they get scared and, and don't invite us again. <laughs> mm-hmm. We get told things like, oh, um, it, it was very good. We just need a moderating influence on you. And you're like, oh, really? thanks. <laughs> like a hammer. <laughs> it's like children, I think. <laughs> hmm. uh, so it's sort of fun. Well, look, uh, I think we wanted to talk about the recent Nobel Prize winner. Isn't he a great moderating influence? Yes, see, there you go, straight into it. Well, we're going yep. to just start an intro. It's, it's all very professional, isn't it? Well, He's hoping. We're, we're giving it a go anyway. Okay. I'm just going to jump in there, Steve, just to make, give everyone the idea. Woo-hoo. It always amazes me what you're saying then is it's been less than 100 years since humans realized that, that we were just one galaxy amongst untold billions of galaxies. For the longest time, we thought that the galaxy was pretty much the universe. That was it. That was what, what was theirs. Is that correct? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and that just blows me away. You just go, how, how the universe just keeps expanding. Well, knowledge of the universe means you go, oh, hang on, the world isn't flat. Oh, we're not in the center of the solar system. Oh, the, our galaxy isn't the only galaxy. It's not even an interesting galaxy. It's we just, just get billion. less and less important. It's true. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it means I can litter with total impunity. I go, what does it matter? It's... Not near me, you can't. <laughs> and this is called the Copernican principle. That So Copernicus was the first, at least, official pronouncement that the Earth was not the centre of the universe. It was actually the sun being the centre of the solar system mm. was, was mm. his finding. So from then on, we've had this phrase, the Copernican principle, to to continue um, every time we find out, yeah, we're actually not at all important yeah. or the centre of anything mm-hmm. much. That's we right. say, aha, one, once again, we, we've confirmed the Copernican principle. And, the, and I know just, I know I'm not, not going to jump ahead, but just a, a bit of sizzle for this part of the interview is the fact that even what we're made of isn't important. But we'll get to that pretty soon, Steve, I'm pretty certain. Oh, okay. As, yep. uh, yeah, that's, but that's, that's, that's just something now you people now are going, what? And yes, yeah, stay tuned, listeners. That'll explain soon. Yeah, even I don't know where you're going with that one. Oh, they... <laughs> well, <laughs> right, thanks. Anyway, no, I think, <laughs> I think maybe I do. <laughs> Put a different value on a particular term in the formula, but the, the formula's fine. I yeah, mean, right. It's, it's... a... a Another piece of genius from Einstein, really. He did quite a bit, that man. There's no, it's always, I always, um, I'm always amazed. Not one that's sort of really well known. Well, not amongst non non scientists or non interested. Is the photoelectric effect, which I won't go into here. But when you sort of go into the photoelectric effect and you realise what he worked out, and, and that, I think it's where he won his first Nobel Prize. I think. Uh, well, his Nobel Prize, yes. 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 So, oh, that, sorry, that's the only one. And it's and that's just a, a, a amazing bit of work. Uh, mm. But uh, not. It's one of the ones you don't talk about. Everyone talks about E equals M C squared, and that's the, that's the general. That's what he did, you know. And you go, oh no, he did a lot more than that, and uh, it's all tied in. But it's sort of it's really important to remember that he had he had a, quite a few good ideas, not just one. Mm. <laughs> Who would have yeah. thought? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And, and in many ways, the photoelectric effect was not the foundation of quantum mechanics, but mm. certainly one of the early building blocks. Mm. Of- Definitely, so, well, definitely that was. was interesting because he, he later disagreed with a lot of the thinking that, that went into quantum mechanics. But uh, it's interesting that he founded that science and then later sort of went away from it. I, I always took from that he, he never kind of kept up with it, as in like the, the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force were, were being discovered and theorized and then discovered. And he just never kind of got on board with that. He thought it could all be joined together, like gravity and electromagnetism, and, and just wouldn't either believe or accept that these other forces were required to make it all work. Uh, once again, maybe it's a bit, a bit of a simplified view, but it just seems, he just never seemed to make that jump that, no, there's a lot more than we need to know. He, he thought he had it all. I, but, but, yeah, that's, so it's kind of, mm, anyway. Yeah, I mean, he was good mates with Niels Bohr, who was certainly one, one of the fathers of quantum mechanics, the, the uh, Copenhagen interpretation, that sort of thing. Mm. And that they had, fairly robust disagreements about the, the, the philosophical interpretation of, 
statistical mechanics where you sort of have those stories like Schrodinger's cat. Mm. I mean, I'd like Einstein. to think some of it involved bare-knuckle boxing. <laughs> yeah, that's possible too. Stripping, yeah. stripping down to their, their science pants and just laying into uh, each other. Big troll hair and the mo just... <laughs> but stacked like a shithouse. Just... <laughs> There's a movie in that somewhere. I think, oh, yeah. I think it's called Young Einstein, actually. I think it's been done. Yahoo Serious. No, he's not a fighter, though. Oh, wasn't he? Oh, there he's you go. He's a pacifist. There you go. Well, you, could, you could do that. You, you could get... Um... I only just discovered the other day, because I thought that Young Einstein was this huge hit. It sucks, apparently. Oh. I went on Rotten Tomatoes, and it got like 17%. Oh. Mr. Accident beat it. There you go. No, hang on. Or was it Reckless Kelly? I think we're, I think we're getting slightly off track. What? Uh, no, Young this Einstein. is all about scientists. <laughs> Well, Yahoo Serious split the beer at him, didn't he? That's, he did that's indeed. That's the one, yes. And, and wasn't it Marie Curie was the woman he fell in love with? Yes. yes. <laughs> you just go, what is going on in this movie? But if you just put it aside, it's a bit of silly fun, it's okay. I don't, I don't think you should learn your science from Yahoo Serious movies. I, I wish you probably... could go back in time and tell 12-year-old Dan that, because I learned quite a bit about physics <laughs> from that film. And that's the underlying... Issue, right? I see. That was the foundation, the the sandy foundation mm, that mm. I built my my house of physics upon. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry, Dan. All right, let's get back to the real science. Okay, then. let's get back to Steve. It just doesn't seem to be enough matter matter that we understand in the universe to give it the geometry that it has. So, what can can we theorize what the universe would, how the universe would be different if? We did only have the matter we could see. Would it just unravel? Would it turn pink? Would it? Do, do we yep. know, or is that a stupid question? No, no, no. Yeah, we do know. That would be called an open universe. So, 20th century astrophysics had three scenarios for the universe's destiny. Either it was going to expand to forever, it was going to expand for a bit and then go to a big crunch. The first one is called an open universe. Mm-hmm. The second one is called a closed universe. So it goes on for a bit, but then closes down into another singularity mm. sort of thing. The third option is then what you call a flat universe, or what we also say is a, a Euclidean universe, because what we're talking about is geometry. Mm. And if you have a flat universe, it's really like a flat piece of paper. When you draw a triangle on that, you will find the three angles of the triangle add up to 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. If the universe is curved, either curved in an open manner or curved in a closed manner, if you draw a triangle on the surface, the shape of the universe, you will find those three angles of your triangle don't add up to 180. So ah, that's, right, yeah. that's, and that's pretty amazing too. So a closed, yeah. a closed space would be on, on the surface of a sphere. That would be a closed yes, space? Yes, right. Okay. Yes, and exactly. an, 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 I can't quite picture what an open space would be. Well, they say it's like a saddle you put on a horse. Oh, okay. So it's sort of scrunching inwards like a, a bathtub rather than expanding outwards like a sphere. Ah, right. Okay, I think I can, yeah, I can see that. That's okay. Fair enough. So, yeah. So if you try and draw a triangle on a sphere, a, 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 you know, an, a world globe, something like that, you'll find if you do perfectly straight lines that all the angles are sort of stretched outwards and they won't add to, up to 180, mm. they'll add up to more than 180. And if you do the same on a sort of scrunched in surface, the saddle or the bathtub, you'll find all the angles add up to less than 180. This seems so, like a very simple way of working out what shape universe you're in. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's quite impressive. I like, I, whoever came up with that idea must have just gone, holy crap, we can do this. We can work this out. This, this, is, this is not just going to be theoretical. We can actually put this to the test. Yep, and they did. And, and they did. Let's build a really big ruler <laughs> and a set square the size bring of in, India. Bring in giant Freemasons. <laughs> so this is where we move into some of our first space-born space science experiments. Mm. So before the Hubble telescope, you had various things that we put up in the upper atmosphere to measure what we call the cosmic microwave background. Mm. Mm. You familiar with this? Yes, yes. Yep. The, the, um, explain, it, explain it for Dan more so than me. Well, no, I, I can go explain Dan. it. Oh, go Dan. Um, it's how hot the universe is above absolutely nothing. Yes? Yep, pretty good. Yay! So, <laughs> so absolutely nothing is zero 
Kelvin and the temperature of the universe, the temperature, the black body radiation of empty space, I should say, mm. is 3.7 Kelvin. It's pretty so, damn cold. Well, so just for people who don't know Kelvin, that's about negative 270 degrees Celsius. Is that right? Roughly? Yeah. In, 273 maybe? Yeah. yeah in, in that ballpark. Yeah. Yep. Very, very, very cold. And the cosmic microwave background is famously called the echo of the Big Bang. So 13.7 billion years ago, you had the Big Bang. Incredibly hot, dense universe in its early stages. And as it expanded, it cooled. And that's really all about, you know, the radiation within the universe being stretched out and so forth. Mm. So at this point, 13.7 billion years later, that temperature is cooled down from potentially billions of degrees to 3.7 above Kelvin. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty impressive too. So it would cool down quite quickly to begin with, I assume, and then the, the rate of, of cooling would slow down with the size of the universe? Would that be... It wouldn't be linear. It wouldn't be a linear cooling. Yeah, that's a good question. Would it drop um, off the square root because it's a I sphere? Know. I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't know. There's, there's some math for <laughs> what, what happens to a sphere as it expands. It's not quite linear. We need a mathematician in, to come over with that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up on the internet and we'll put it in the show notes. All right. Okay. Just apart from that, you have all this issue of clumping. So, mm, yeah. Don't get me started. You've got to define what you mean by heat, because really heat is something we only see reflected in atoms vibrating, so it all gets horribly complex. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> And it only works for the Type 1As. The other supernova are quite variable in their brightness, so they don't work, but the Type 1As do. I can tell you why, if that's helpful. Oh, but... mate, you can, yes, if you want to. Yeah, okay. We, 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 we're interested in everything. Sure. At the end of a standard star's lifetime, it doesn't necessarily blow up. So a smaller star that doesn't blow up into a supernova blows up into a red giant, which is what our sun is going to do oh, in five uh, Steve, billion years. Just so you yep. know, uh, on this podcast, we've actually named the sun. We realized that no one had ever named the sun. So oh, Dan yes. and I went outside and we looked up and we, we saw the sun. We discovered it first and we've called it Chad. So uh, if you wouldn't mind just spreading the word of Chad. Uh, so, sure. so, so Chad, just so everyone knows, Chad won't actually go supernova. It'll turn into a red giant at one point. Yeah. I recall this from the, the, the two episodes I've, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> he lasted two, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be listening to this one too. <laughs> Skipping so, past our bits. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> yep. So if a star's of a certain size, if it's big enough, it'll go supernova. Otherwise, if it's around the size of our sun, sorry, our Chad, it will go just, just red Chad. giant. Just, it's just Chad. Yes. He's, he's, he's just Chad. <laughs> It's right. There is no other chat. Right? No, 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 no. As far as I'm right, I mean, they can name their stars anything they like, but we've, we've named us Chad. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> After that red giant phase, what's left of that old star collapses down to, into a white dwarf. Mm. So a white dwarf is a very dense object, much denser than a normal star because it no longer has all that radiation pressure puffing it outwards. We, we talked I, about that before. I can't help but notice with red giants and white dwarfs, there is a certain Dungeons and Dragons element. Is, <laughs> is this re reflective of the type of people who get to name these phenomenon? I suspect so, Okay. Yes. <laughs> I never thought of that before. No. And then I went, hang on, I'm one of those people. Yeah. I've come you went, that, that seems background. totally normal. Yeah, 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 all these years I've gone, that's what you would call a giant red star, red giant. I mean, but no, of course, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm a 15th level elf. Yes. All right. Well, let's let's talk about some of these cometary goblins. <laughs> but I, I, well, I was going to say, I guess all the uh, quantum physics people were the the stoners who were off, you know, creating <laughs> colour and spin and uh, strange quarks and all that sort of stuff. So, so, charmed and strange. That's charmed right. and strange. That's right. yeah. <laughs> Anywho, their flavours, so, man. So taste yeah. the taste the spin. So we'll get back to the white dwarfs. So you've got this white dwarf. It could potentially last as a stable object for billions of years because it, it just radiates a small amount of energy. It's very dense. It'll just sit It's there. not actually undergoing fusion, is it? It's just literally radiating the heat that's still left in its matter. So it's no longer fusing. It's just, it's just radiating yeah. out. No longer actively fusing its core. No. It's got a lot of hit points. Oh, that radiation pressure. Um, but what can happen quite often, because at least 50% of the star systems out there are binary systems or even more complex systems, mm. 
if you end up with a white dwarf and it has a companion star nearby, the the gravity of the white dwarf can dwarf can keep pulling off matter from its companion star. Mm. And there is a particular point at which it will accumulate so much matter, and because it's so compact, it will go into what's called carbon fusion, and that is sufficient just to explode the entire star. So what you're saying there is that a white dwarf is mainly made of carbon. Yes, I am. Yeah. So, and I've heard from that, therefore, you can jump to the weird side point that under that pressure and heat, therefore, you pretty much get these giant diamonds floating in space. That's, that's true. So uh, most of our white dwarfs just fade into nothing and they, they cool down. So, yeah, you, you potentially get these sort of quasi-diamond objects out there. That's awesome. Giant diamonds everywhere. <laughs> uh, the universe is an amazing place. It is. It is. So hang on. What, I've never thought so, of this before. So what, uh, if a white dwarf is it's collapsed down, no longer fusing, it's radiating heat, after, the, I assume, trillions of years of radiating heat, it will no longer be putting out, well, uh, visible light, it would be, it'd be quite uh, a dark object, but is it still called a white dwarf, or is it called something else? Is it, does it change names when it's, when, when it's no longer radiating heat? It's a good question. As long as it's radiating light, it looks white, so we keep calling it a white dwarf. Hmm. But once it gets below I... the visible light spectrum... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know, I don't know if there is a name. It's, it's a good question. Huh. Could, could, could you paint it right. and then rename it a pink dwarf? Uh, uh, what? Why? What? So, uh... <laughs> Dan's just confused us now. Thanks, Dan. Okay, so we have a white dwarf. It's anyway, taking... getting back. Yeah, yeah it's, well, take... so it's well, taking all the stuff. Let me finish the story. Then we'll, then we'll oh, get it... back to uh, the Nobel Prize business. So you've got your dense white dwarf. Yes, it's mainly carbon because it's gone through all the earlier fusion stages in its earlier life. So it's burned all this hydrogen. Then it's burned all this... He... Well, burned all this helium, yeah, more or less. <laughs> the leftover products are mainly carbon... In a bigger star, that carbon could start fusing as well. You just need enough gravity to push it in on itself and to heat it up further. Mm. But a white dwarf doesn't have enough mass. But if it's pulling in this extra mass off a companion star, it can reach that point where it is massive enough that it will commence carbon fusion. But because it's still a small star, as soon as that carbon fusion starts, it's so energetic that the whole star just explodes. So it's just it, it, another supernova happens. Well, no, it's first supernova happens. It's, that is the Type One A supernova. Right. Okay. Ah, and, that's Type One. And 1A. the whole star is destroyed. There's no black hole left over or anything like that. It, it just blows itself to bits. And, and for that's... a short period of time, it radiates more than the galaxy around it in light. So an energy. Yep. That's yep. Just. And incredible. it always it always explodes at that certain point where it's accumulating mass. Once I get gets to at least 1.4 solar masses, it just explodes. And it always explodes at that particular point. And it also, therefore always explodes at the same brightness. Brightness. That, mm-hmm. makes, that makes perfect sense, of course. Yes, it's the amount of mass. Yeah, of course. That's brilliant. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope so. Are you, oh, are you just patronising? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, Greg and Dan. Hey, I sound really good on this microphone. Now, I thought of a great answer to that question you asked, but unfortunately I thought of that great answer about five minutes after I hung up. So here's what I'd do if I had access to an unlimited science budget. A. Restore the development budget for the James Webb Space Telescope, which is sort of the next-generation Hubble Space Telescope, except it's an infrared telescope. And B. I'd make sure Australia wins the bid for the square kilometre array, an approximate square kilometre of dish surface, but that surface is composed of a whole bunch of individual radio telescope dishes distributed across a huge area of Western Australia, and we'll even stick a couple in New Zealand. Okay, thanks. Bye. Something upset me as a designer recently. Oh my god, Dan's upset! <laughs> episode 18 is going to go down as the episode where Dan was shitty about things. I'd like you to point that out. I'd, I'd like you to point that out. I'd like to point that out. You know why? Ah. My body is filled with sour adrenaline. Oh, what from? 
two nights ago, I was sitting at the traffic lights and I saw a massive crash. Ooh. Like t- uh, two cars oh, ploughed into each other. Wow. E- everyone dead? No. No oh. one dead. Right. But I didn't know that at the time. Mm. Two cars just banged. Did you go try and get the stuff? Didn't even have time to break. Both of them flying at 60 kilometres an hour. Oh. Someone ran a red light. Yep. Someone Ooh. ran a red light and just bang. Wow. And my body just went into full-on mode, mm. and so I pulled over and rushed over with my first aid kit to help sponge blood off the victims and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's been a... It was a crazy friggin' night. Yeah, One yeah. of the cars caught fire. <laughs> really? Yeah, this giant fire, the fire engines turned up. I thought the they co- didn't do that. I thought they didn't explode. They don't explode, like, oh, but there's a little yeah. tiny fire in the yeah. engine bay, and everyone's like, you, we, we need everyone. So I'm doing crowd control, oh, nice. moving people away from the... Dan Beeston Humanitarian. Yep, saving those stupid fucking humans. At any rate, I had a friend with me called Kevin who was helping out and calling all the emergency services yep. and there were dozens of people around and I was totally in the zone and helping mm. out and doing my first aid training and sure. all that sort of stuff. And then afterwards, the, for the last day and a half, I've just had all this sour adrenaline in my system and I didn't realise how much it would affect me, but I'm totally on a on a hair trigger the entire time. That's interesting. I, I... Someone beat their car on the other day. I almost laid a f***ing egg. <laughs> and I am not... A bird he's or not, a girl. He's not an egg layer from way back. <laughs> but it's interesting because it's two days ago. You wouldn't literally have sour adrenaline because that's an A, it doesn't exist. And B, you wouldn't have the adrenaline system anymore. So it's, I'm assuming your, your stimulus has been, like, you've been raised so high. Like you're yeah. Kind of, oh, oh, like everything's, you, your, your comfort box has been kind of changed and your body's not too sure. And it's all going to have to come back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to that made no sense. It. But you know what I'm trying to say here. But, and I'm also much more anxious about driving, Ooh. oddly enough. Yes. Because you see what happens when a car... And you're like, they both had better cars than my car. <laughs> my car would turn into confetti. And it comes down to how clever a driver and safer driver you are. You can't control what the other person's doing. Yeah. It, al- and- it always impresses me, in fact, when we realise how many cars are on roads and it's only going up and not more people die. Yeah. And you go, millions of people are moving around per day. Hundreds of millions around the world. And it's... There's a lot of deaths, don't get me wrong, but not statistically compared to the number of yeah. cars, not a high percentage. It always amazes me. For, for a creature that evolved on the savannah grasslands... Grass, to to grass, run at eight kilometres an yeah, hour. Yeah, and, and climb a tree when a leopard came. Yeah. Yet we can, we can put a car at 100 kilometres an hour... And, uh, it's no, and you relax and you zone out. Yeah, and your brain... Well, some part of your brain's very... Yeah, yeah. Now. Your conscious mind is not necessarily running at all. You don't know you're changing gears, but you shouldn't be anyway. You just happens. We're crazy adaptable. But that's that's a plastic plastic mind. Yeah. If, if that's why we're going to save the world. But uh, th- that aside, the I, I always wonder if it, cause it's a, it's a scale thing. So human beings, we go, oh, eight k's now, a hundred k's now. It's only a factor of ten higher, like mm. a factor, and that's not that big, yeah. really. But if, when you but go, and there now, are fighter pilots. Yes, but they're, but in, they're, the in, a, they're in the sky, yes, and it's a big space, so there's a bigger area. There are drag races, and they're they're pushing the the limits. Of... Yes, and also my my guess on why they don't die is they don't turn corners. Yeah, uh, not not twice. Not, <laughs> most of the car disintegrates, but they're F one, F one, yeah, F one yeah. races. And they they're doing ridiculous things mm. at speed, but then again, one mistake, death. Yeah, uh, but then again, one mistake in, in your car, death. But uh, the thing mm. is. is you can actually do stuff about other people who are bad drivers to some extent. And I would encourage everyone listening to the podcast to go and do a defensive driving uh, course yes. because that will teach you how to drive in a manner where you can spot trouble before it happens. Now, as a defensive and driver... also you get to drive around on the skid pan <laughs> and it's f***ing awesome. So a defensive driving course is when people go, you're a bad driver. You go, no, I'm not. <laughs> Don't you patronise me, Beeston. <laughs> and also, uh, if you're listening to this podcast with uh, earphones in your ears while you're driving, girl clumsy, <laughs> you shouldn't be. I bought you that connector so that you can plug your iPod into the car yeah. speakers. If you're listening with headphones, yes. you're, a, you're, you're in a, bloody, a lot of trouble. You're a bloody idiot. You're a bloody idiot. If you Basically, for the Australian ad, uh, if you drink and drive, you're a bloody idiot. Yeah, it's true. Very, very dangerous. I had an uncle off. die from being slammed into a by a fire engine uh, because he just couldn't hear the siren because he was the music was too loud in his ears. Well, it's an issue. I listen to podcasts and not much music, mainly podcasts and information sources while I'm walking. But I have it turned down so low that I can hear the surrounding landscape. Maybe not a voice. Like I can't. I don't have to listen to you. I have to pull it out. But I can hear cars coming up next to me. And this is when like you're that. walking. When I'm walking. Sorry, yeah. when I'm walking, not when I'm driving. But when I'm walking. So because I, I was that feeling of I'm going to step out. Or more to the point, it's not even. I'm quite aware. I'm looking around. Look, I'm not disappearing. Mm. I know my ears are blocked. Therefore, I'm my eyes. I, I look a lot. But I'm more worried about the idiot who mounts the curb. That's yeah. I, and 
and I don't see them. And if I can't see them, I'm dead. Yeah. So I have to be able to hear them, and, and I, I can still respond. But people don't, that's not why they listen to, they don't listen to music. I'm listening to a voice talk yeah. about stuff. But if you listen to music, you want the experience of listening to the music to get through your horrific day. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, yeah, it's a big problem, though. You've got to be very aware if you're wearing headphones. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to understand you've impaired yourself. Mm. And take it like, well, if I was drinking beer right now and I was trying to cross the street, how, how, how careful would I have to be? Mm. You, you've basically made yourself less of a human being. You know, like a deaf person. <laughs> what? Are you worried that I'll uh, that I'll offend them? What? They're going to listen to the podcast? Hey, <laughs> hey! No, I covered my bases there. <laughs> oh, we haven't actually got to the point of the crux of this. We've oh, got up on a tangent. Oh, you had a point. Oh, good. I'm so okay. Happy. So upset about being a, from a design point of view. Oh God, that thing. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was a long-winded story to piss on deaf people. <laughs> That was that was not my goal. That's a freebie. That was a happy accident. <laughs> Someone turned onto the internet the other day and they went, "There's no such colour as pink." Oh, did you spot see this? Yeah, at all? yeah, I didn't read. No this, such but... thing as pink. Yes. And I, with a little bit of looking, they said, "Well, look, if you look at a rainbow, it goes red, orange, orange yellow, yeah. green." Blue. No, Roy G. Biv. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. I mean, yeah. So, what was that, Mr. Colorblind? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Red. So. Oh, oh, oh. oh, there we go. Yeah, yellow, green, blue, mm. violet. Yes, because indigo's balls. Because indigo doesn't exist. Indigo doesn't exist. Well, it's, it's one of those things if no one can uh, no one can agree what indigo is. No. You'll say it's one thing, I'll say it's something. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. Roy G- uh, it's, it's a sliding scale. It's, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a spectrum. But that's like saying, hang on, well, well, but if I'm going to pull you up on that, that's like saying there's no difference between green green and indigo or green and violet. It's a sliding scale between green and violet. It's You're like, ahead of me. Oh! Once again. <laughs> Continuously. <laughs> that's what I do. So go on, please. But and someone said, there's no pink mm. because if you put blue and red together, mm. then you get pink. Number one, not true. Pink is light red. Mm, mm. It, when you put red and blue together, you get magenta. That is not pink. Are we talking about paint or are we talking about light? We're talking about light. Okay, good. Because people get upset by this too. We have to be very careful. About mm, how very about. different. Yeah, yeah very really different. Really th- through. Addition and subtraction, that's why. I witnessed a, 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 an argument in mm. a science classroom where mm. people in the class were complaining to the teacher that he was wrong. Because mm. he was trying to tell us about RGB. Yes. And people in the class were familiar with pigments. Yes, And yes. mixing pigments. Yeah, RGB gives you white, yeah. So it, it doesn't seem to make sense, does it? Isn't it? You seem to be more based on paints. Because you go red, green, blue... Gives you white? Like, it doesn't seem right, does it? It's no. Like brain goes, what? And then you go, Well, the oh. primary colours in paint are mm. red, yellow, and blue. Blue, yes. Yeah, not... So, blue and yellow make green paint. Mm, mm. But red and green light make yellow light. Yes, yes. It's messed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's totally counterintuitive it's, and ca- it's, a- it's apples and apples and oranges it yeah just, it just happens to be colors I say it's a dish what's, what's absorbed and what's yes it's a very different way of looking at the world, yeah light yeah very strange so there's no pink so what so we're saying there is pink so they were saying there's no such thing as pink light mm. uh, no, or, no, no such thing as magenta light mm. and it misses that bit on the color wheel yeah it doesn't loop back on itself mm. and it made me a bit grumpy because i'm like of course there is magenta mm. but what it what you do is you've actually got to get you've got to mix tradition yeah You've got to add. So there's no primary. There's no primary light, which yeah. is pink. So you could find. Oh, wait, that doesn't make. No, no, no. Light doesn't. Light doesn't split into a spectrum of pink. And it's when yes. it's split. That's what they're trying to say. Which is, doesn't mean there's no pink light. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see. You couldn't say there's no wave magenta. Stop saying pink light. That pink is light red. It's um. It's, it's nothing to do with magenta. It's, it's um. It, whatever it is. The point is, there has to be a wavelength that corresponds. Otherwise, you wouldn't see it. So there has to be something. There. When they say it doesn't exist, you're like, well, what am I seeing? What's, uh, well, what's what, exciting in my cones in my eyes? Rods, what's happening, rods. Oh, what's happening is that the red rods and the blue rods are being excited at the same time, and your brain is making something mm. that is different mm. to tell you what that sensation is. Right, yes, okay. So That's all the colours like that, though, except for the primaries. Um, that's, so that's not, they're not actually different. Red, green, and blue are not. Yes, odd, yes, you're right. Aren't not you? weird. They're, 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 it's not weird. It's just how your body has decided to. You've evolved. Yeah. To, now birds have four cones in their in their brains, mm. uh, and they evolved from a similar ancestor. We had they had three. We all had four. We lost them. 
Then birds split off with three, whatever their ancestor, but dinosaurs, I suppose. Some, and then, and then they've evolved their fourth one again. Their red cone splits, has split again. They have red and red, and then green and the blue. So oh, they've right. got they've got fourth cones. And what colours can they see then? Like they would see very different range of colours. Kestrels can see in the ultraviolet range. Ultra, ultraviolet. Ultraviolet. Oh, okay. um, and which mm. allows them to see urine. From mice really <laughs> of well, of course. So they can actually spot where a mouse burrow is because mm. the mouse comes outside and pees and goes back in, and they go, "Oh, that!" And the the pee looks oh, bright yellow yes. against a blue background. So they can see it. Or a dark also, background. Also, it means uh, theories about migration because it's like wearing polarized sunglasses. Mm. If you can see ultraviolet light, then you can go, "Well, the, the it'll be polarized in a certain way, and therefore you know the direction this traveling blah, 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 yeah. you can actually." navigate. Do you know in uh, in Japan they don't have pink. Don't have pink. Yeah, they, they don't have a, a word for pink. Oh, okay. And so it's just some things are light red mm. and and it's just different variations of red. Yes, interesting. And so they, they, they actually have a hard time distinguishing between red mm. and pink mm. and all the intermediate stages in, in that we might look at some different types of brown yeah. and go that's brown and that's brown and then later you'll be shown and you go which brown is that and they go and you go I don't know whether that was the first brown or the second brown you Welcome to me. my world of colour. Mm. But in, <laughs> As a colourblind it, person, you're talking exactly what I go through every mm. time. But in particular countries, mm. they actually have specific words for those type, different types of brown. Mm. Yes. And so they, they recognise them. So it's, they've been mm. trained to recognise specific and types women, of colours. Women, uh, they've done tests with women and men and looking at if they show different colours and they get you to ask what the colour is. And men have a habit of going white, blue, green, whatever. And women will say eggshell. And they'll say khaki, and they'll say sea blue. And the women have a habit of adding adjectives to it and changing mm. the colours. And it's not just that they're more fashion conscious, or whatever. It does, the evidence seems to preliminarily point to the fact that women are seeing more colours, which I assume is a software thing, not a hardware thing, because women and men's eyes are not different than their brains mm. are. I, I'm intrigued. I don't know enough about it, but it does it's seem... It's all wetware. It's, yeah, it's something <laughs> about... They, they've Maybe it is a cultural thing, maybe because they are more... The, cult, the culture says they have to be more interested in the colour of their clothes and matching things more to the men. Like, we just wear a black suit and everything's cool. Mm. No, we don't need to mess around. Maybe because... Total, total guess here. Maybe because they have to be culturally in, indoctrinated into being more concerned about the colours of their clothes, their brains become... Uh. Spend more time gradiating colours, where we would go, it's green, or it's light green. They might go, ah, that's a teal, or you know, that's a sea green, or whatever. Uh, if that's the case, I imagine certain subsets of humanity who are hipsters would get certain <laughs> words for how skinny their jeans are. <laughs> yes, it's micro skinny. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it's <laughs> colours are really yeah. The, the idea of colour is quite a weird, weird idea. Mm. And, and what what has interests me is the idea that there's no. Uh, you're never going to get a green star. That's one in astronomy. Yeah, you can't have a green star. If you if you ever look in the sky, if humanity looks in the sky and sees a green star, there's a good chance it was made that way. And that's one of those engineering, like astro engineering things they look for because a star can't be green. And it's a very long and involved process to explain it, but it's got to do with a star. And I think it, it happened in episode two. Oh, we talked about this already, have we? Yes. Oh, yeah, but, you mentioned okay. it. Well, go back to episode two. I'm not going to say this before. Let's go back and check episode two and explain. We can explain why you can't have a green star. Mm. It's quite interesting but you can have a pink one that's not true <laughs> magenta star i suppose if you had a, a little red sun and a white a, a, little, a little red star and a white star binary system each other. then you could get like a pink could, you could do that yeah. yeah sure pink stars for everyone <laughs> I mean, you could stay around if it was comfortable and pleasant for you. Yeah. Is it comfortable and pleasant for you? <laughs> oh, um, it, it was very good. We just need a moderating influence on you. Like, oh, really? Thanks. <laughs> like a hammer. Well, you get there by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman, man. No time to talk. You know, Ben, and if it's the mouth, I get a piece of dough. Then I will go, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. You're waiting for me. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm loving watching you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Captain Sarcasm. Sarcasm.